Chapter Two, Mother. The smell of freshly baked bread flooded Amory's nostrils as he came within yards of his simple cottage. Smoke billowed from the kitchen's chimney, and soft yellow candlelight glowed through the window curtains. Brown latticework blanketed each wall of the small abode, providing a foundation for the city of vivid green vines that wholly laced them. Tiny purple flowers throughout the vertical foliage shimmered under the remnants of candle flame seeping beyond the cottage into the night. Thoughts of warm bread quickly replaced the boy's reveries of adventure. Amory opened the front door, walked to the kitchen, and plunged into his mother, wrapping his arms tightly around her and pressing his face firmly into her apron. She embraced him with a similar but more restrained intensity. The brave adventurer returns, she said. Hi, mom, mom. The boy said with his face still in her apron, muffling his words. Amory's mother was a strong but sad woman. Her ways were gentle and devoted, but a worn and coarse heart held her from true happiness. While her laughter was hard to come by, Amory threw himself into her arms every chance he got, breaking through her stolid barrier to set free the precious, smiling woman within. Her name was Lunel. Light wrinkles were forming by her grayish-blue eyes on the soft and youthful-looking face that held them. Her maple hair was tied behind her head, so as to not get in the way of her cooking. It also revealed her lightly rosy cheeks, the left of which bore a downward-arching scar just below her eye. The hands that performed her work were petite, skilled, and tireless. All that she had to give sprang forth from these hands—hands that gave life in the Isles Gardens, hands that helped those in need, and hands that baked the most wonderful of breads. She had just pulled the bread out of the oven when Amory arrived. As he loosened his hug, he looked up into her eyes, and she looked back and winked at him—an artful display for her only child, rather than a heartfelt truth. So. You want some of this bread while it's hot? Lunel asked, motioning towards the peel on which sat the last of the loaves of bread from the oven. Yes, please, Amory replied, the sound and oozing of eagerness more so than words. He began reaching for a slice not a moment later than his mother had cut it. You had better wash those filthy hands first, she said before the boy could even get a finger close enough to feel the bread's warmth. The strength in Amory's legs was there once again as he swirled towards the wash basin. A dirt and blood mixture fell from his hands. His mother was too busy behind him to notice. He dried his hands and quickly returned to the bread. Crumbs scattered about as Amory's teeth sank into the bread. He felt the fluffy warmth flow all the way down into his stomach. He would have eaten as much as his mother would have given him. Now tell me how you got that tear in those pants," Lunel coolly demanded. In mid-bite, the boy's jaw froze in surprise. He took a few moments before he was able to speak. "I was climbing the tree at the end of Tassins," Amory said. "I wanted to see if I could spot any finoths out in the black waters. On the way down the tree, I missed a step and fell. It was only a bit skewed from the truth." With this logic, he believed he had a better chance of convincing her of the story's verity. Okay, a moment of pause followed, and then the boy's mother continued, "Don't be climbing any more trees for a while." All right, Emery mumbled as his heart sank. 
His thoughts wavered with the doubt of his presented innocence. Lunel almost certainly knew he was fibbing, whether fully or partially. Amory himself realized promptly after the story's telling that it was notably unworthy. No one ever intentionally went looking for Finnoths because only a handful of people had ever seen them. And even then, it was only a splash here or a flop there. A suggestion at most of a mythical beast's existence. His mother always discovered the truth eventually, so he should have just conceded it then. But the crime of this evening's adventure was so severe that even her knowledge of it would result in dire consequences unprotected by the love of a mother towards her son. Lunel investigated Amory's trousers further to see the severity of the boy's wound. Through the tear in the garments, she saw the gash on his leg. Oh, Amory, you really did it this time. Come on, let's get you cleaned up. The boy's mother led Amory to his bedroom, where she cleaned the laceration, applied some web spread on it, and had him change into his nightwear, overalls of cloth atop a stretched and worn undershirt. He was shortly thereafter lying in bed, in the quaint embrace of his small room. A charming wooden desk and chair sat to the side of the bed, and beside that was a wooden chest for the boy's clothes and other belongings. On the desk's surface resided a half-burned, presently lit candlestick mounted on a metal base, a rather decrepit quill, a nearly empty bottle of ink, a half-piece of paper torn to conserve usage, and a black cap for colder evenings that had for some time gone unused. Amory slid beneath the covers, shifting to the far side to allow room for his mother to sit beside him. And she did. We have a long day tomorrow, so get some good sleep, she said. Lunel then wafted the words she said every night to her son and only child. Sleep well, my dear Amory, and kissed him on the forehead. Good night, mom-mom, the boy said. Lunel blew out the candle flickering by his head on the desk and then left, leaving the door open a crack, just the way he liked it. Everything became dark. Amory held his eyes open and let them regain minimal sight as they crossed the paths of the contours of his room. He stared for a while out into his unlit haven until his vision began to wane with the heavy eyelids of sleepiness. And as this occurred, a soothing melody emanated throughout the cottage. Its notes swirled into the boy's ears, giving comfort as it granted its routine lullaby. In the brief moments before the boy was entirely asleep, he shifted his physical sight to the internal vision of his mother in the other room, crouched over a small black chest. In the chest was a double-edged dagger. It had a black hilt and crossguard, and its silver blade was covered with a dark crimson bloodstain. In his mother's hands was a ragwire flute. The flute was made of darkened, twisted wood that formed two conjoined tubes of differing lengths containing four holes each. She blew delicate, pleading air into the instrument, producing the notes that uplifted the home. The chest was a beckoning box, a box within which were placed the items attending an ill-fated death. These items were used as a place of reference to call upon the lost spirit of their representative. In this case, the victim was Lunel's husband and Amory's father. The ragwire flute was his favorite possession and the dagger, Amory was told, was the tool used to murder him. Lunel left the blood on the dagger as a remaining piece of her love's essence and also as a potent element in reclaiming his spirit. 
In the evening, Amory's mother would open the chest and play the melody on the flute before placing it back with the dagger, hoping that the spirit would find its way within. In the morning, she would close the chest with the dagger and flute inside. For three years now, the boy's mother had unsuccessfully used the chest to beckon forth the wayward spirit of Destral Demption. Amory was not privy to most of the details surrounding the departure of his father, but the melody that his mother played on the ragwire flute was the same melody that he used to always hear his father play. The song meant peace for Amory, and it sacredly echoed in his mind as he drifted into sleep. This was presently the case as the boy finalized his slide into slumber beneath the enthralling notes of his father's remnant legacy. <laughs> 